welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. My name is Sean and I am joined by a panel of industry leaders to discuss an intriguing topic. Today's topic is building and nurturing a design-driven culture. Before we delve deeper into this, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. Ava, would you like to go first? Yeah, hi and welcome. Um, my name is Eva, and I've been working with experience design for more than two decades and lately as a manager in experience design and commercialization in finance. Here, my team and I have conducted different solutions to support and help business customers across uh, the Nordic countries in a bank. My hope and wish for today is to give some inspiration to our listeners and support with different perspectives on today's topic. Thank you very much, Eva. Aronis? Yes, hello. Uh, I am Ioannis, uh, a design engineer coming from Greece. Uh, I have worked with uh, various design projects in the past, uh, from graphic and UI UX to industrial design. Uh, and this is where I'm focusing on right now, uh, physical products and design for uh, manufacturing. Um, after my master's graduation, I have been mainly collaborating with startups. Uh, where I really enjoy the environment and the fast iterations uh, while we try to develop a new and innovative product. Uh, so my current employment is uh, is at Godogo, um, where we are developing a smart device uh, that entertains and mentally stimulates dogs. Thank you, Evans. And Joel? Hello, guys. Uh, nice to meet you. I'm Joel. I'm Danish. I'm a product design director here in AKQA Denmark uh, out of Copenhagen, where I've been working the past four years now. And to those of you who haven't heard of AKQA before, we're a global design and innovations agency with around 35 studios around the globe. And we have more than 7,000 creative minds employed in the organization in uh, 50 different countries. We say in AKQA that we like to imagine the future together with our clients uh, and the output that my team and I bring is often founded in uh, a strategic business idea that lets into a, a vision type of work. Uh, and we do an immense amount of digital experiences within both B2C and B2B for our clients. Uh, we have strategists, designers, uh, front-end developers, uh, back-end developers and app developers here. So we like to do the, the full service, as we say. Uh, in my day-to-day -day role, um, I run some of our biggest digital experiences for our clients within fintech, within the medical industry, and also within uh, luxury. Um, to set a number on the team here as well, we have 10 designers uh, in a team of 35 creatives um, with different backgrounds and nationalities. And I think the, the thing that I'm super curious on today uh, is much around the talent of mass that we actually bring into Denmark, uh, because I'd, I'd like to hire outside of the borders of Denmark, because uh, I think the perspective that you have on the world there, um, when you're not Danish, uh, is something that we need. Um, we need to attract talent and we need to maintain them. Um, so I bring that to the, the conversation today and, and the, the only agency uh, employed person here. I've never been working client side. Um, so that's me. Thank you very much, Joel. And last but not least, Toka. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, my name is Torge Laugesen. I'm a Danish architect uh, and uh, I'm working at uh, Mary Elizabeth Hospital. 
uh, an upcoming uh, children's hospital in Copenhagen. Uh, and I work here as the head of the user experience design team. Um, so I started in March 2015, uh, working as an sort of in-house building client advisor, uh, helping him with the architectural side of things, writing a program, uh, assessing a competition, choosing a winner, uh, working with the architects and the engineers uh, throughout the different building phases uh, of this hypothetical project. Uh, and now is so far ahead that the building has arisen all the seven uh, floors and 60,000 square meters and the facades has just been closed here in January. So we've come quite some way, uh, but that's the building project side of things. Uh, in my current role, I'm as the head of the UX, uh, running this interdisciplinary design team. We're around 10 to 12 people uh, on and off. Uh, and we work closely with the different advisors at different times. And we are a bunch of anthropologists, uh, architects, product designers, uh, graphic designers, play designers, uh, all kinds of different people who can bring together different aspects of uh, implementing design thinking in a place where it's not normal to work with design like this uh, and uh, being very user-centric in the design. So that's the task we're working with. We are fortunate to be financed by uh, funding, uh, external funding, as well as uh, part of our salaries being paid by the capital region of uh, in, uh, in Copenhagen. And um, so that's uh, my current role. And um, I'm very interested in jumping from the agencies than the architecture offices that I used to be working in into the public sector, where we don't really sell products, uh, but we uh, insist on creating value. Uh, for the users and uh, what other people see there and how we're both uh, creating this value of being an attractive place to work as well and uh, having other people see the value in this. Thank you very much, Toka, and thank you all for your introductions there. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So, Eva, do you want to start us off with your question and give us a bit of context about where that comes from? Yeah, of course I will, and, and really um, looking forward to this. Um, my question um, is coming out of um, having numerous occasions um, where I've done a lot of observation on what skills are required when we are trying to help, in my case, larger corporations with more than 30,000 employees um, and um, to sort of set a focus on who are doing what for and why. Um, over the decades, I've seen that that um, there is a tendency, especially among designers, either to be very narrow and slim in their skills and also when it comes to our stakeholders that we engage with, that there is a lack of knowledge about what it is that we do. So my question is, um, what skills are necessary to run a design-centric culture? Thank you very much. Ionis, so, do you want to kick us off on your opinion of that? Yeah, um, I think I think it's uh, 
it's a really really interesting the way you contextualize it like in the in the bigger companies so i would imagine that it's it's more and more challenging the bigger the company becomes maybe um i guess in the in the manager um in the manager aspect uh i i believe that there must be an actual education or background of design so they can um so they can manage people and uh, promote that uh, that way of thinking to to the employees um so like uh, knowing the tools and uh, and having some type of background with design thinking would be ideal i believe um I think that it's important because the whole design thinking process uh it could be also um innovative and you know opening up the diamond and also like you also need to close down the diamond and you know convert into solutions so i i believe that uh that there must be a little bit of everything there because i've seen that a lot of people do well one one thing you know having empathy and uh, and thinking out of the box uh but then they kind of fail to to execute and uh deliver uh the solution so i think uh, i think a good balance there uh, is ideal uh so having uh, uh different uh, types of people and different types of uh, backgrounds there um uh, and then um i would say that it's uh it's quite important to to bring in some uh, co-creation aspects because we talked about all these different types of um, uh, of professionals. So I think it's quite important that the managers and also I guess the employees should have some experience with uh, um, co-creation and workshop um, workshops. Um, I feel this is important to bring ev everyone together and try to collaborate as as uh, efficiently as possible because there is quite a gap uh uh between a pe between people usually um and it's also quite uh quite useful when you want to nurture uh communication and you need communication because uh otherwise these people couldn't couldn't come together and couldn't uh, exchange their ideas uh efficiently uh as a, as a third point uh i would uh i would mainly um focus on 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 the teaching aspect of things uh, I believe that uh, mainly a manager that needs to bring together uh, interdisciplinary people um, needs to have some type of uh, of teaching mentality and try to to incorporate um, design thinking um, as a process in the in the whole operation of of the department or or the company. I think that's quite important. So have empathy and teaching mentality is uh, is quite quite nice to have. Thank you very much, Aris. What about yourself, Joel? Uh, very good points. Uh, a lot of them resonate with me as well. Uh, I think in in my point of view, uh, what I do currently when it comes to hiring talent uh, is that I try and find people that can outsmart myself. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, sustainable, but uh, I I see uh, and I see there is like. Um, it pushes people. It gives the right sense of uh, of competition as well in a team where people are ambitious because uh, the service and the product. Toga was saying that we we sell products to to clients, so they, they demand 
that we are the best in what we do. So I need to bring the best people in. Um, and, and what I'm working a lot with is, is uh, maybe also from a, from a manager point of view, I often use the football and that analogy that we're a team and it's my role to, to, to make sure that the individuals practice together because uh, when I bring new people in, if I don't pair them up with the existing team that's there, uh, we can never establish trust. Um, we can never uh, get better together and we can never learn. Um, and in terms of skills, there are so many skillful people out there. Um, but I often look for the more hybrid type of person, the person that often has a, a background from academia is often good um, because there are certain methodologies and tools that are good in kind of assessing and giving like a, a sound analysis of, of what we've been tasked to do. So as an example, I actually have a, a librarian in my team. Uh, she is now a designer, digital designer, but her, her perspective also being Romanian uh, on the world, her upbringing, living in the outskirts in the countryside uh, also brings something into to the modern capital that Copenhagen is. Um, I, I also think what you said, Ionis, on uh, on teaching. Um, when I joined soon four years ago, uh, there was this uh, specialist mentality that people were sitting with their headphones on, doing their thing, doing what they were best at. But I could not sense the the communication, the argumentation around why you're doing that. So so I'm. I am forcing uh, my own team to to give explanations, give meaning, just stand up. Uh, we actually refurbished the entire studio the past year because we had too many corner offices, too many rooms. Uh, we want to have an environment where you can speak openly about what and why you're doing what you're doing. And that is like the educative element that uh, I think can also happen in terms of uh, building confidence. Confidence is also important in, in skill sets. Um, so, so that engine is something that I see is is lacking. Actually, the the, the skill of communication and reasoning. Um, there's a tendency when you become especially specialist that you do your craft, you make your thing, you know that's your style. You just do that. Uh, but you need someone to push you a bit sometimes say, yeah, I know doing this for the past 25 years and I respect that. Um, but I need you to break the canvas now and and and, and start over here. Uh, and, and that's, uh, I think, back to your question, Eva. Uh, the skills needs to be diverse. We need to have executors. But uh, the hardest thing I'm, I'm finding is people that can uh, communicate and uh, explain the reasoning for like a big organization comes to us and if we can't say that well you wanted something that would up this by 2.5 percent of something we believe that this is what you should be doing and that, and that passion in the work that we do uh, is not for every designer it's not for every creative to be put in that sensor stage. So that's that's really hard, the softer thing. So so someone that, that's a T-shaped hybrid, but is also so uber passionate and a team player, not a prima donna. That's, uh, I think that's, uh, that's what the world is needing right now from my point of view. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joel. And what about yourself, Toki? What's your opinion? Well, I guess my 
perspective is uh, very much based on my background and what I work with now, because we've been trying to implement a design-centric culture uh, in a place where it's not necessarily understood. Uh, people don't necessarily understand what we do, like Eva was uh, pointing out. And um, building a team uh, that is design and user-centric uh, is difficult when when uh, people don't really understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. So for me, like I think there are a lot of good points about like building a diverse team. But I think for, for me, it was very, very important that we, to in order to run a design-centric culture or build it, we need to be very, very, have a very clear vision, create a clear vision and, uh, and communicate our visions in a way where what's in it for them. Uh, they really need to understand why it's important so we even they even open the door for us because if we want to co-create or involve them uh, in the design process and help like kind of infect them with this uh, design-centric thinking, they need to open the door first. If they're unwilling, it will be very very difficult uh, to even get good work done. So being a very having a clear vision and communicate and using acting it out strategically is very important and it has been very important at this at this workplace. And then if you want to be user centric, then be truly transparent and really empathize with the needs of the users. Uh, you have to be very honest with what's possible and what's not possible. Don't don't tell them something's possible if if you can't do it. The the two or three times you don't deliver because you you just like kind of didn't give it the attention or just oh that's possible they won't give you a, th a fourth chance. It's then they shut the door and it's very difficult to work with them. So it's one thing is understanding the needs, uh, but also putting them into context, the needs and then finding solutions from is what right, really differs design. Like you said, Giannis, uh, that's what we are taught as designers or architects, like creating solutions for the problems, really understanding and creating solutions. And that's something that's very difficult for here. It's like building a hospital for the healthcare staff to figure out what solutions are the best. They might point to the uh, solutions they're used to working with, but they might not be the best uh, solutions in the future. So like being user-centric, involving, but also being very transparent and honest. And then really uh, honor the the different skill sets that come with influencing uh, uh, interdisciplinary design team. So we are anthropologists and uh, play designers and uh, architects and product designers and healthcare professionals and uh, project managers and generalists and specialists. We're everything mix mixed into a bunch. We have to know our limitations of what we can't do, but we can do a lot if we come together with around this clear vision. And then we have different aspects of it, which we are prone to like spot first and then work on them together. And then that's what yeah, that can create a really good brief for designers to create the best possible solutions together with the users. Uh, I'm, I'm completely amazed with how the anthropologists in my team are able to pick up all the little things that the staff say in between what they're actually saying. Uh, it's uh, it's very important uh, to really know what they're saying and understand the problem to create the right solutions. And then I think as another thing that's maybe underestimated the best it in is that one thing is you have to as a leader or run a design team you have to be very decisive but you also have to be willing to take risks because when you uh, implement a very an iterative, iterative design process there are lots of risks and very little guarantee for success and if you want to put other people into that mix who aren't used to it you you have to be willing to take those chances that it might fail and then try again and try again and fail and try again 
Um, so that's uh, that's important. But um, if they never come along for doing these like prototyping phases or test phases or test implementations, then uh, that's where they really then that's when they open up. That's when they really see that this could have benefits for me. And that's when they get, aha, there is something in it for me. And it goes back to the vision. It goes back to being like transparent and honest with it. And that's when things start coming together. So for me, those are like four of the main points. And uh, through it all comes uh, like this balancing act. If you're a leader in this situation to complete like balance out being visionary, but also being very pragmatic. You you can't only sell them visions or champagne speeches. You also have to like solve very like very small pragmatic uh, things. And uh, just I I like sports analogies because I'm a sports freak myself, uh, Joel. So I, I like the, I had lots of quotes about like from the football pitches and stuff like. That. But one quote that I've actually used with my team because uh, they are very it's a very unique like constellation in this team. And I uh, quoted uh, Michael Jordan when I said that talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. And I really think that's like what and you can have like all the like really, really skilled specialists. But if you don't look at who the person really is when you recruit them and how they gel with the team and how they like, like how they attach to the vision, then it might be difficult like six months down the line or a year down the line. They can still be great at their job, but it might not be the right situation. So it's really, for me, it's very much about building a, a team and being a leader for a team as in football or basketball or whatever. Yeah, so, but... That's some of my points, uh, but uh, what about what about your points, Eva? Do you have any? Would you like to answer your own question? <laughs> I would like to uh, thank you guys for your um, uh, insights on it, and I very much agree with what had been said in many uh, different um, ways. Especially that you need to 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 master a bit of everything at the same time as a designer and be able to be able to not just um, specialize whether you are UX or to do wireframe and mockups and, and be able to to create a great interaction on a digital platform, but also seeing what goes on before and that's perhaps taking some of the insights that the CXs who are anthropologists and so on have actually been out and doing a lot of service on and looking into the data and, and, and analyzing that. But without a doubt, my challenge is to find those people who can think strategically. And that's what I'm missing when I, I try to recruit a lot of, of um, new team members is that they have the capability to think holistically. Now, Joel, you talked about it a bit, so that is a very important part that you're not just looking into how you, with your skills and competence, can solve a specific task, but also that you can actually connect the dots along the way. Um, because especially uh, working in larger corporations, there is a tendency that, that we allocate our resources into different teams where they have product owners and agile coaches helping them to say, we need to build these products and features. What about the bigger picture? I, as a customer, don't just interact with one feature or one product. So it needs to be in a coherency that is actually something that resembles why I'm here as a customer, what it is that I want to accomplish. And uh, especially what motivates me and what my preferences are. And those things are often left out in the decisions um, when they are uh, dealt with in the, as I call them, engineer uh, rooms on the operational level. Um, but I totally agree also as a manager, some of the challenges is, is to create a team that had that sense of diversity where you have both those who are ambitious enough and curious enough to learn more and to share that knowledge amongst uh, their, their fellow uh, peers in the, in the team. 
Um, and another aspect is also to, as a manager, to ensure that you create a safe environment for them to share that so that they learn from one another and, and, and create the space for them. So in my case, I had a um, every second week, I had a, a thing called Show Me What You Got, where we put off three hours just to share that um, and get inspiration. And that could be everything. That could also be having challenges in communicating with business, especially when you're working in an industry that I come from. Um, there is a totally different mindset. And it's not a mindset that are focusing on how a great interaction is, is accomplished, but more on what's the business profit of it. How can I reduce cost? How could you? So there's a different mindset also that we need to embrace and understand when we interact with our stakeholders. Uh, so some of the things and requirements that I also look into is the capability of being curious enough to also learn about the company that you're hired into, understanding not just the product, but also their earning potential, their growth and, and what we can do, because that's when we need to focus more on especially getting them on board our side saying we make a change for the better but we can only do it together with you guys but we come with something that's innovative that's creative and in order to sort of get along we need to speak the same language that means i cannot say we'll use the double diamond or we'll use this and this with different uh, disciplines i need to speak their language so when i talk about what we do in my team it's always been well we try to establish a better um, engagement by looking into what's motivating for the customers and then tell that story instead. And I agree with Joel also about that the communication part is crucial. So if I have designers who are not capable to talk about anything, unless it's the discipline and the methods, they're not very good at what they're doing. So we work a lot on storytelling and trying to teach one another on how we can do better when we interact with our stakeholders. Um, and finally, the stakeholders who knows absolutely nothing about our discipline and methods, like to use buzzwords. I don't know, I can't count the numbers of times I've been into meeting, hearing the word end-to-end -end journeys. And when I confront them, then I ask them, that's great to hear, i like to hear more about it. Could you just give me your definition of it? And then the answer is, I don't have that. So that's kind of difficult because you're using a word in a context that leads to the very important decision. And that decision's outcome impact us and the way that we are going to work. So kindly, could we say the definition is this, and this is actually what it means? So helping them in that way. Um, and I think I, I, I like to see more of those kind of profiles uh, in teams that can think that way. Um, so hopefully for the future, they will also be able to embrace that. It's not just that I need to be very good at either as a UX or CX or even as a BX. So when I look into um, branding and exposing uh, towards customer in that way, but how to embrace that and, and master into discipline well enough to say I can use them without talking about them. Perfect. Thank you all for your insights there. Toker, I can see you've got something to add. Yeah, I'm just curious, Eva, when you ask for these, uh, rightfully ask for these competencies in, in, in how you would build a team, how do you differentiate? Because they, they, um, they're like, if you build a team of 10 plus people, they're a different bunch and they don't all have to have the same skill set. So, We've had a lot of discussions about like how can we how can I help have, having a design background help protect the design specialists from not being like generalists as well because that like that drains them and it's not necessarily where their skill sets are best used they need to have some sort of understanding they need to have a level of understanding and being able to participate in interdisciplinary work groups and so but it's also really important to use them for what they're like educated for and what they're whether they can really 
like if they just get massive amounts of like congested time in one slot instead of just having like half an hour here half an hour there i think that's also really important to protect them in this like very hybrid meeting situation workplaces that we all are attending at the moment it's i think that's something that i don't necessarily think we're struggling with it but there's a uh, when with com when complexity goes up and things need to be explained a lot, then there is the risk that you participate in like a, diving into a lot of knowledge that doesn't necessarily need to be with a specialist in order to do the design. So I have some project managers or some other profiles are really good at doing like having this understanding phase and then deliver a more specific brief to the designer, something that we're working on, like uh, sharpening the knife every every other month or so to, in order to find the right balance. Yeah. Do you experience the same or is it just me? No, I agree. Um, and, and the challenge is without a doubt that if you have a hybrid, then they, they often tend to get involved in a lot of different tasks that doesn't lead to a specific outcome or mm. um, uh, output necessary. So for me, I've been focusing a lot of having a team that can sort of support one another. Having those who are anthropologists making sure that they can actually support um, a UX with their insights because then the UX doesn't have time to, to go out and do all the customer interviews and everything and, and ensure that they sort of um, utilize their knowledge in the different steps in the design process. And then they need somebody also to coordinate it cross-functionally to ensure mm -hmm. that UXs don't just spend time sitting in an engineer hub making sure that they support product owners who have great ideas that don't, doesn't make it into a backlog. So a lot of processes are also necessary to get implemented to ensure that you can actually run your design team. But the most thing that, that, that um, you talk about to cure them is, you know, making sure that they spend the time of what is necessary. So a lot of the things that we do together is planning together and making sure that we have an understanding of, we use t-shirt size and understanding what that has to mean and, and explain if it's a large, extra large sometime, um, why they think that is and if they need help to solve that. So they know they're never alone and in that same sense, develop their skills. So, so they learn at the same time. Um, and then I think, um, that, that's more internal in the team on how to, to, to run that. And then external, then there's a lot of um, um, also a lot of knowledge that, that should be shared uh, on how the ways we're working is combined to, for instance, engineers, hubs, but also on a strategic level. And how do we then support into a strategy? Will we support with the insights and knowledge that we have? We know what happens in an interaction touch point. So let's, let's utilize that. And we are experts in doing concepts. So we cannot come up with better suggestion of the to be uh, instead. So so trying to sort of also utilize their skills in, in not only on the operational level, but challenge the perceptions on a strategic level in showing there could be an alternative on how, how we're solving things today. Yeah. Perfect. And it looks like you've got something to add there as well, Joel. Uh, yes, I like how the the umbrella just gets bigger and bigger in the discussion here. Um, the two things for me that I react to actually uh, going back to the question, I think it's always been easier to employ a senior specialist because you kind of know what you get. Uh, but what I am trying to do here is also to get a much more fresh perspective from juniors, people straight out of university, out of school, uh, self-taught people that have the appetite for design and for problem solving. 
that have been brought up with code and with Figma and, and, and all the tools that we are using. I think that's that's something that is, is also worth looking into. Uh, there was a lot of talk on stakeholder governance and onboarding. And uh, I, I often find that from the agency side, we get a brief, but we're not even sure that it's the right brief. And we sense quickly that we don't have the right people in the room. So, so, so we don't have the mandate. Uh, so we, we need to actually uh, change something here because you were also saying that, uh, Togo, what is the vision here? What's the shared ambition? And uh, we, we, we make obviously our living on feature-driven legacy products from big corporations that needs some people that they can point a finger at and say, Okay, they didn't do it, they tried, or yes, they actually now founded a platform for if we cannot, if this feature is something that we have, if it doesn't resonate with the new shared vision, it needs to go, you need to kill your darlings. And that is actually some of the, the hardest bits, but that's more on an operational level. Um, the best projects I've been on is when you feel like you're working in the team of the client. It, we become an extension, and I don't feel like I'm going into a job to 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 provide a service. I I become that extension, and I think uh, those are the most beautiful things when you when you we can get that shared vision and ambition, where it's not like agency saying one thing showing smokes and mirrors and then the pragmatics on clients is saying well we can't do anything so mm -hmm. so so just wanted to bring that to the table the the junior point of view but also obviously project governance and, and who, who who manages that uh, sometimes it's good that it's not me taking that role of project governance i need someone who can put that hat on uh, and, and own that because i am hired as the specialist designer to do the end-to-end -end solution, whatever that is, right? Uh, and a client struggle with that. They, they chat GPT, AI is a big thing, right? It's like, I want a beautiful design system, best in class with world-class animation. That, and then you're like, but what, what do you have? Like, but why? And, 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 and that's where, when we, we get that trust established, that shared vision, that's when we're onto something magical. Thank you. Thank you all for your insights there. And we'll move on to your question there, Ionis. Do you want to introduce it and just give a little bit of context, please? Yes, of course. Um, so as I, as I have told you, uh, I've been working a lot uh, with startups. So I guess we're moving the, the context a little bit to the to the micro scale. Um, so um, I come from startups and um, I, want, I want to find out how important or how crucial is uh, the whole subject of nurturing design-driven culture? Uh, how how important it is in uh, in a startup, like in a in a smaller uh, in a smaller company? Um, not so much uh, how you implement the the um, the design-driven culture, but more like do you feel if it is necessary, valuable to prioritize that, uh, especially when when the resources are limited in that context. Um, and usually the people are so few and they're so like, we, we mention a lot the diversity and how important it is. Usually in a small startup, um, 
the diversity of people is not there. Uh, we, we might have a few co-founders with some technical background or maybe some financial or business background. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious, like, um, how do you think, like, is it, is it crucial or, or should other things be prioritized, like delivering the product and then just testing and, uh, taking from, taking from there, like not building a design team. Thank you. Thank you, Anas. Do you want to kick us off with that, Joel? What's your thoughts? Yes. Uh, I'll try and change the angle a little bit. Uh, so it fits more with what you're asking for. I think, um, I've never worked within a small startup, but obviously I've done a lot of work for uh, companies like Miro, startup turned unicorn, $17.5 billion evaluation. Wow, doesn't get bigger than that. But also more local ones where it's exactly what you are referring to. You have a small team, you have a limited budget. Uh, one role uh, has uh, the job of five. Um, and I think it is super, super crucial to be very vocal on the importance of design within these companies, because there is a bit of a tendency to just always crunch numbers and look at numbers. And it's all about conversion and bringing a product to market. Um, but there's also a reasoning for that there is so many failures, in my opinion, within the startup world, because yes, it's an immense risky industry, right? And you are always told that you need to fail three times before you find a success. But I, I do think from the experience I've had that if we manage to establish a common understanding on why you should just wait one month, we're not talking years, right? But it's it's often that, well, we just want to have this. We see you're very good at doing branding and websites and development. Can you do something for us? We would like to go live yesterday, but here's the brief. That's, that's often a thing that I deal with where I try and say, well, but what are the, what is actually the emotion that you want your customers to sit back with. So, so when you've gotten that transaction out of them, what happens to them? And, 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 and when you get that uh, kind of reflection into the conversation, when you talk around, but what happens after, um, before, during, after, like a simple exercise, something we all taught out of a design school. Um, they're like, oh, I don't know. We, we sent them uh, an email after a month or like, Okay, so it stops there. So so you're saying to me, you just want two minutes of my time and that's it. That's not how you build branding, right? And then luckily we have players like Airbnb and other companies that are also trying to, 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 to really stand their ground and say, well, if we build the best brand platform for communication, for everything we say, how we act, how the service is, uh, then people start talking and you don't need to have... Uh, five uh, call to actions with like submit your information here so we can sell you a product do this so we can sell you a platform uh, an experience um, i think it's so so crucial uh, to 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 talk about the before during after and understand why we need the last point we need time for exploration yeah but i'm just asking you to do this but i'm not sure it's right i need i need to open up a little bit and I don't need to explore for, for years or months, uh, but we, we, we have to insist 
that we don't know if what we're doing will be right as a creative design architectural consultant, right? We, we don't know. So I'd like to always try and show three routes and, and, and talk on there are three different routes we could pursue. Uh, and, and clients get super annoyed when you do this. Uh, I experienced it the other day. So annoyed. It's like, yeah, but I'm just asking you to improve the UX of this uh, application that we have. Yes, but you've been working on it for five years and there's a reason for us being here together now and you're not getting anywhere and, and, and that you don't say to the client. But that's sometimes, uh, I think, just so important to stand your ground and, and, and fight for for an understanding of, of, of an ecosystem of thought, right? Before, doing after, um, challenge a bit. That's my 50 yeah. cents. Thank you very much, Joel. And what about yourself, Toko? What's your take? Well, I guess uh, it, my take on it will be like uh, stained by the fact that I'm not like delivering products. But I would argue that I, I think there would be less failures in these startups if people thought more about what value, value their product is actually creating before like trying to push it out there with a specific design. We are so focused on creating like a specific solution. What was our first idea? But our first idea might transform into like something completely different. If you just like dwell a bit on the situation and explore it, as you said, Joel, and figure out how, why does, why is it important for me to create another chair in this world? Why do I need to put another uh, kitchen module out there? Like it really needs to create value. Well, how is it different? How does it differ? Because when you create this, like that's back to the, the point of like creating a clear vision about what you do, it will help your product. It will also help you in the recruitment. And if you're really devoted to your cause and you find the value, you will find better people uh, representing like the value of what you do. And then you can change the product uh, like hundreds of times if, if it still solves the same issues and creates the same value. So I, I think a lot of startups are also driven by this urge to, of course, like create your own company. It's like, it's inspirational. It's great. And I love that people do it. But they really need to start thinking about why is it important? Like, can I just, if you can white label a product in China and get it sent out and label it in a different way, how does that create value? Like, I, I it's difficult for me to see, but I'm not in the industry of selling products like that. But uh, I can see that like design skills are very important in order to figure out how to help people with coming with from yeah. an idea to a solution. And that's really important skill set. And that's also a part about being design centric, I think. Like having this idea about thinking, oh, well, if we push it out this way, how would it actually work? We need to change our focus on how it also worked when it's like uh, get out there in the hands of the customers who buy this product. So that's also like in, in a variance of what you say, Joe, like before, during and after, but thinking out the whole thing, what is the service design of it? Does it have a digital aspect of it? Is it purely a physical design and how they blend together? But I think this is where we're like it, when someone like maybe they invest in you and they see an idea that they also push you to drive out the products faster and faster and faster. And you need to scale it and you need to go global. But if you go global with, with a failure, then the failure will definitely cost you more than the the exploration that you're talking about joel so it's a, it's a very hasty environment this uh, startup industry and it, we're just rushing it a bit i think uh, and we need to be conscious about what product we put out in the world thank you very much for your insights there toka and eva what do you think 
I think it's a very interesting uh, question. And for someone who's also worked in a startup, I see your struggle um, because you're spot on saying you have limited budget and you have also scarce resources to actually perform the way that you would wish to perform. And here in many occasions, I've reflected on why is that? Um, and of course, the, the main reason, as both gentlemen has addressed, is that the core reason for being there is either we have a strong belief in a product that is needed in the market or digital solution or whatever it is. And we would like to actually sell that to the whole world. And through that journey, a startup often tends to forget who we're doing what for and why, going back to what talk is addressing, the, the value that we're supposed to create. And sometimes um, it's often that limited in a mindset that they don't see the opportunities that they are actually missing out on. Because without understanding the user's needs, preferences, and motivation, there isn't an opportunity to sort of um, extend your product portfolio. It seems like it's the same product, whether it being, uh, uh, in, in the case of where I was working, a global network um, platform that sort of uh, connected buyers and sellers. Great opportunity to do something about it, but what about the next step? It's not enough just to su support a supply chain. There are so many levels underneath it. So what are the preferences? What kind of need and help um, would I as a customer need to stay engaged with you? And those questions are never, I can guarantee you, never ever answered in a design teams on an operational level. It should be addressed directly on a strategic level where you go in and you connect your business to the design thinking world, saying, okay, great, you want to scale. Have you considered that you can actually expand your product portfolio if you knew exactly that the customer's needs were these and these and their preferences were these and these, not your assumptions that you had when you built your little baby that you pushed out into the market. Do you know that compared to the market competitors, there is a huge opportunity that we could actually benefit from the insights of our customers by knowing that we can distinct ourselves from our competitors. Those kind of discussions are never ever discussed on an operational level. Mm -hmm. So a suggestion is if you can, and especially in the startup where I can tell you the command road are shorter than in a large corporation, kick in the door to the board of direction. Tell them, I think that we're, you're onto something. Praise them saying you're the smart guys. I just have a question. And then you bring in your evident data because you collected the data and says, maybe, could it be interesting to investigate this, to explore this, to expand that? Have you considered yada, yada, yada? And I think that is what um, most startups are struggling with. Um, and, and they want designers to come in to be the, the, the crinkle on the, uh, the crumble on the cake and just be the, or the topping of the icing, whatever you call it in English. My, can, forgive me for that. Um, but but that, that's the whole idea that the, there's a limited in understanding of the, the potential that you could actually help the business with. So, so uh, in, in many cases, kick in the door and expand their horizons by showing them there is an alternative to what you're doing today. And there are some options that you can choose that could also help your business. And that leads me back to, to you, Jonas, for, for your great questions. Does that answer some of uh, your thoughts? And do you have anything else to come in with? Yeah, I, re I really enjoyed uh, all of your answers. I, I identify also that uh, we are kind of biased, uh, all, all four of us. Um, but I think the bias that we have is, uh, is supported. Um, I really, I really believe that uh, I will start with what you finished there, uh, Eva, and talk about the misunderstanding um, in the startup world and in the in the co-founders 
they don't know what design is and basically what what they will end up doing and that's uh, the maximum effort that i have seen is just uh, ordering a logo from uh, from like from someone from a freelance or from fiverr or whatever and then um, it will be it will be an improvement but it's not what we're talking about right now they will put it in the end of their emails right and uh, they will create some type of branding which is not branding and it will feel good but the thing is that that's not what we're talking about right here we're talking about design thinking and like um finding out the user needs and um asking the why questions and like finding the market segments and all that all these things and then ending up in a in a, in a concrete and uh, thought, thoughtful solution all these things i think that will eventually will create less failure in the in the startup world um you know we're always saying that startups are most of the times failing right and the number is like 80 percent. i don't know if that's the exact number or whatever but i think that if we implement um design thinking um into the startup world this failure rate will go down um because we will have valuable products and we will have products that are thought through um so yeah i i guess the answer is uh yes it is crucial in my mind um i i get the point that there is no resources sometimes or there is no time um i guess my my kind of solution to that would be to to start from the beginning like there are so many incubators and this is where a lot of startups uh, are born um so it's it's a point of educating the founders and uh, showcasing the value of design thinking in them so it would start from there uh, from the incubators and of course it takes time as all, all the questions like uh, to to implement a culture it takes time so um i guess i guess that would be my go-to but yeah uh, to finalize the answer i think it is crucial uh, it's it's the it's the it's the ask the question of how and uh, when thank you all for your insights and was a nice way to round it off honest with a definite answer on your part so moving on to Joel's question, do you want to introduce yours, Joel, and give us a bit of context yourself? Uh, yes, my question is around uh, in a uh, kind of multicultural society, uh, the borders that we like, the country we reside in have kind of expanded. And there's a lot of uh, talent coming in, uh, like you, Giannis. Uh, we have a, a Greek guy who's here for seven years. That's amazing. We would like you to stay. Um, and when people relocate, there's uh, a challenge um, in, in, in creating that sense of belonging. Um, also, when the expectations with what we do is, is going up and up and up and up. Uh, you cannot be a, a UX designer anymore. You are not a UI designer. Well, you are a digital product designer and it covers UX, UI, motion, service design. Like that's there's so many layers so i'm very curious to hear if there are any like concrete actions that you guys are doing or have done in in your experience in terms of making people in the team feel like they belong like what's the sense of being what's the meaning uh, there was a point from Toga on the vision if there's a shared vision sometimes that's something that we can all relate to but i'm very curious on on what you guys have done and are doing to keep this sense of belonging, um, because we need the passion to solve problems, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Thank you, Joel. And that leads us straight into Toka then. What's your opinion? Well, well, Joel touched upon some of it that I mentioned earlier, which I still think is very important. Like when you recruit new members for your team, do they know what they're buying into? Do they know what role they will have and what the visions are? I still think that's important. And I guess I can relate to uh, Yanis's uh, thing, um, question about small startups, because even though working here at Resource Potato, there are thousands of people employed, we still had the sense that we were a startup because we were starting up something that was quite different here. And we started very, very few people and the roles were not very clearly defined. Uh, but so you, I think it's difficult to start up with everything. You, Of course, you come from a different situation. Joel, you're a very, very large company. So you have more uh, issues, so to say, or more things to handle about being multicultural than, than we've had to address. Uh, but that's just by chance. Uh, I think still, if you... Have, you can't have everything in place when you're a startup. Then, so maybe the roles aren't clear, but the goal is clear. And then you will work on the roles as, as you go. But you have to have really devoted people in the beginning. And then you also have to have, I, well, at least in our case, we've implemented a relatively flat hierarchy, but a flat hierarchy where they have a lot of responsibility out in what they do. So we really have to trust the employees we, we hire uh, in order to uh, come up with, with great work and give them this a sense of security that they know that when something is just too difficult or too uh, difficult to figure out what, how to handle, they know they can go to you or other members of the team and they can bring you together and you can solve the problem together. I think that will create like a, a very strong sense of belonging. There are also very like small pragmatic things that you also need to take the time to to stop working for half an hour and do something else together and, and go out and see, have joint experience and seeing about how would other people like do uh, handle related issues or see how other companies do stuff like that? If you do that, you have like something common grounds. Like, oh, how can we implement this in our team? That may creates a sense of belonging and a sense of like you have a co-ownership here about the work culture isn't owned by a leader. It's created by the people who are employed there. And I think that's what creates the the strongest sense of belonging. And I've, I, I, I have a fantastic team and we've uh, several times we've like talked about it like, joking ah, it's almost like your like your second family but it really does feel like that and sometimes you bond around the the problems that you want to solve it's not necessary that the, everything is going smoothly we have a lot of issues to iron out but when you do that together and you overcome some of them that creates a really really strong sense of togetherness and belonging to a purpose and not just a, a specific role or an education that you had thank you very much for that toka and ava what's your opinion well, I, I totally agree with many of the things that, that Toga just had explained. Um, and also um, having, in my case, team members allocated across Europe um, and uh, getting them to sort of feel the sense of belonging is something that's very important to me. So it also has a lot of demands on your leadership skills um, as well. And to ensure what you also address this safe environment where I also feel secure enough to reach out to somebody even though if, I, if I'm a new team member, that I feel um, that I'm not um, uh, uh, putting myself out there by asking of help. So I've teached the team a lot about don't be afraid. These are your fellow peers and we are here to help one another. We are not stronger than the weakest link and we cannot build anything towards the rest of the organization if we don't stand together. So making room for them to actually have an opportunity to express how they feel 
and also taking that um, uh, into a safe environment where where we can actually share our uh, our mutual um, experiences when we're interacting, especially in large corporations with different stakeholders, but in different challenges when we we stumble upon the complexity in the solutions and so forth. Um, that is one way to get them to feel that they belong. Another way is also as a manager to have your one-to-ones and ask something about, hey, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay? But more to that also saying, I'm not an expert leader. Being vulnerable as a manager and showing that vulnerability, saying, I would like you to give me feedback. I don't know if I'm giving you, pardon my French, shitty task. So if you're not feeling that you're performing in the way that you had experienced um, or wished for, then let me know so we can see what we can do for, for you to say to stay engaged and stay involved in in into the team. And if you as a manager listening to say, well, I'm not so secure about how to solve this and this, then pinpoint another team member that could you just spend 15 minutes getting them on board and asking them or be their body. I also had bodies in some of my teams where when you were a newcomer that you always had someone to go to um, for the sense of belonging. And especially when you have a team allocated across Europe, somewhat sitting in Roman, uh, Romania and in, in, in Poland and in London and, and then, then the rest in, in the Nordic countries, then the challenge is also um, that everything goes on online. So you need to establish something that makes sure that you have an interaction online that can establish the sense of belonging in a team and, you know, all of the tricks of having cahoots and all of that thing, but making sure that they have fun at the same time. Um, and, and also invite them and say, Come up with suggestion on how we could still have fun online. If it's a recommendation of a book and you want to share your knowledge, take that in to show me what you got. Do something more concrete so they sense that they are not just uh, allocated in a country all by themselves and have to fix their problems uh, by themselves. Thank you very much, Ava. And what's your take, Ionis? Yeah. Uh, so I, I believe that. Okay, in, in the beginning that like you need like the actual guidelines and, uh, you know, the guidebook or the company culture guides of uh, how an employee should uh, perform. But I think that's definitely uh, the crucial aspect of it. Um, I, I believe that the most important thing is how you you execute and you you perform and practice these guidelines. Uh, so what I would like to touch upon is uh, that there is a great opportunity here in a, in a design studio. Uh, almost all or the majority of employees are educated and have a background of uh, design. So for me, it would be really interesting to see how uh, we can co-create um, a culture where uh, we're trying to include and uh, make everyone feel that uh, they belong. So it would be really nice to see everyone coming together. I, of course, it depends on on the size of the company, but everyone coming together through workshops and trying to identify where 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 they can make everyone feel, uh, you know, part of the team. So I guess it could be like common activities that uh, promote the individuality for everyone. It could be uh, trying to include people by by having you know sessions to to talk about other things other than work so i think that's where i would like to stand on uh the opportunity of of trying to do that in a design studio uh, that's that's quite interesting to me uh yeah but uh what about you joel uh any insights there 
thank you guys super insightful i'll make it really short uh, a lot of the things i think uh, i am doing in some shape or form but uh, i think the vulnerability that you were touching about eva is good um, there is an immense amount of competition in the agency world uh, so everybody wants the the best work and the best case and the best numbers um, and I will try and be a bit more vulnerable in in asking for feedback. I think that's good, and and I think also what you were saying, Toge, uh, that family feeling. I don't want my team members to be a family, but I spend sixty percent of my time in the office, right? So 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 we have to make the most of it, uh, and I really want people to feel that it adds value and meaning to their life that we work on the stuff that we do and that is hard because uh, I don't get to handpick all the assignments that we get but if I can turn the point of view that's that's the main thing my only answer here uh, if I can make it relevant and engaging for the unique team member I know this project is not the most exciting but what can we do so you learn something from it then the the energy is way better and suddenly the the the, the boring project is uh, the one that was the one we spent the most time talking on at the christmas party so thank you for uh, for these insights thank you for that joel that was a really nice summary at the end there to see how you'd implement that feedback into your own work as well have you got something to come in with that toka yeah just I just thought about like a something that might seem like a small addition, but could turn into a huge thing. I, I have an example that I would like to tie it up against. It is like, you know, when uh, Pixar make their animation movies, like every time they make an animation movie, they have a really strong principle that they need to develop one new skill set that they can use in the next work they do. Like it was when they made Moana, they like had guys specialize in spend time hours and hours and hours on developing hair and in every single uh, pixar movie animation movie after that the hair was amazing and it's just like it's a it's a it's a principle that seems simple it's very difficult to honor and it's something that like it takes day like hours and days and weeks out of the work but you get it back joel so the the in in an agency like where you constantly had like you want to have an edge as an agency and you want to differentiate yourself like having these like key things that you can say like we're really good at this because we learned like that you can exemplify and you can make it really simple and i think that can some of those like pioneer projects can be really really inspirational for a team and think like, oh we did this and we did this together and we were part of this and we were at a key j q a when we did that and like so having these like uh, things that aren't it's it, it's not counterproductive. It might seem like to allocate a lot of time for that seems counterproductive. You could do it faster without doing it that focus, but it could be what makes you a really special workplace. Perfect. Thank you for that, Toka. And Ava, I'll take your last point on this. Yeah, and it's just for a short uh, comment also. You use the perfect analogy to sports. Be a coach. Make sure that you uh, sort of embrace them on their level and train them. Um, and, and if you need help because you don't have the time, to be a coach for everybody, then you use the player against one another and help them teach one another. So the sense of belonging comes from, I'm part of a team. This is why I'm here. I'm not alone. And it's sort of eliminating that feeling of being alone that makes it a strong team. Thank you very much for that, Ava. I think that was a nice point to add on at the end there. So 
On to the final question, last but not least, Oka, do you want to introduce yours and just give us a bit of context about where it comes from? Yeah, I almost after this talk, I feel like changing the question a bit, but that would be unfair, I guess. But uh, my, it comes from the context of having jumped the fence from uh, working with agencies into the public sector, where um, we had to like implement this whole design thinking, but I just watch it like spire and uh, and grow into something that's uh, quite fantastic in terms of like when you relate it to where we came from and that's been an amazing journey um but the time there in the beginning is really tough and i think joel you, you said something that really made me think when earlier when you talked about your clients because uh, when are the clients ready to hire designers to solve their problems they need to know what the problem is for us otherwise you can't do your job like at least not successfully or satisfyingly. So I guess like, how do you work with clients? I could be a client, for instance, but the reason I'm not a client for you guys yet is because we chose this first uh, period where we have to be you involve the users and we don't know quite exactly what we want from the designers. We said, no, we can't like tender this. We can't uh, give a call for designers to come and solve this problem because they would spend all their time asking these questions. What do you want? Why do you want that? So we spent a lot of time figuring that out themselves. And then we can like ask you to send to, okay, this is what we need. This is why we need it. And can you help us do that? So that's the context of my questions. Like, how do you work with people where there either is a lack of understanding or lack of desire for design thinking, and then still like working with design thinking, like being user-centric and convincing them that this is the way to go because maybe they don't understand what it is and why would they pay you money for it and why does the public sector need to spend money on this so in all this uncertainty i think it's interesting that i'm sitting here in the public sector and you're sitting with agencies or startups and how we 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 all have a sense of understanding about design thing but how can we meet each other uh, halfway here perfect and do you want to come in with your point first Ava? Yeah, I like to. Just to, for the reference, I've been around the block for a while. So I've been in public sector and worked at the worst place you could imagine in the daily tax and uh, customer administration, which also uh, reveals a little bit about the level of complexity. And I think the resemble is that regardless whether you are in a startup or in an agency or in your case, uh, in a public sector at a hospital, the challenge is still the same. We bring something new to the table. That means that you have to do a buy-in for those who are the decision makers and those the ones that have the monies. And you need to be clear in your mindset what it is that you're doing for who and why. And if you cannot answer that, don't expect them to answer it and don't expect them to come and request your help. So in many of my cases, I've helped companies transform their mindset and breaking their habit thinking to thinking in new ways and how to embrace creativeness and innovation in part of business, of part of running either agencies or startups or, uh, uh, in your case, hospitals, and in my case, in banking industries. And it's difficult because you're up against a mindset that is different from what yours are. You're up against a language that's not yours. And you're up against um, a agenda that can swift very fast, depending on what happens in the market. So the prioritization on why we should choose you compared to somebody else, you're always up against that. So my suggestion would be say, okay, start. What I've been doing is that I've been starting out just to know what I'm operating against doing a maturity assessment. And in your case, it sounds like you're on a very low maturity of working customer-centric or design-centric in this manner and saying, okay, 
how do we then start seeing the benefits of that knowledge into our business? And and when we make decision, whether it's building a new uh, hospital and having different interaction points, what can it, it benefit from us? Well, first of all, there's a cost reduction, but not building shitty solution that you have to rebuild because it's not working for those who are using it. So you talk into something about a cost. And then you have the next thing about saying, yes, but we also need to look into our earning potential and doing optimization of the money that we got. So how do we use that? So by, by being clever. So instead of just going ahead and building the solution, we spend some time in understanding what would actually happen in these interactions and why would it happen? And what are the preferences for these interaction touch points that we're currently working on in our project? And that's regardless if it's a, a startup or if it's an agency, or if it's, a, a, in your case, a hospital. So in my case, it's all about understanding who you're doing what for and why, and bringing that to the table, and not only from the customer perspective or the user perspective, but also from the business perspective, saying what's the benefit of it, bring those two things together and closer together. Thank you very much for that, Ava. I think that's a great point. And what about yourself, Ionis? What's your take? Uh, I really enjoyed uh, whatever... Uh... Uh, described right now because we're basically uh, beating around the same bush like that we need design thinking overall and uh, I guess I'm the least familiar uh, with uh, with the public sector especially the Danish one but uh, like I, I would believe that it's the same challenge maybe even more even more challenging or even um, slower to to implement this design thinking process into a public sector. That would be my assumption. Um, so it, it usually follows the industry uh, after some time. Um, so the public sector will follow up. And I think what uh, like what Tokyo is doing right now with like is a great example of uh, of the public hospital uh, for the children. Like they build a team. Uh, um around design that could could come up with uh with a user with a user needs and as Tokyo described i think uh after that um there could be a collaboration with an agency and then t try to take the product from there uh but th this initial opening up and having the experts in a, in a design team i think it's it's super important and this is how um how how almost every project uh should start to be honest so um, I, I guess in order to be a little bit more uh, concrete, I guess, uh, you know, design thinking seminars are uh, coming up and up and like uh, private sector is really uh, trying to push them um, these days, I believe. So uh, public sector could have something similar, um, you know, extra education. And in the end of the day, um, I think, I think, yeah, I, I will reiterate that and I will, uh, I will uh, re-say just to express the importance of it. Just doing it is uh, is something that uh, will make things be better. So as I said, you having that team and you developing and building this new hospital will create an example. And uh, as we said, culture is uh, takes time to build. So that's the first step. Uh, people will see that example and uh, most probably it will be a successful example so because it will be supported by design thinking so i believe that's the way to go thank you for that Ernest. and then joel do you want to give your opinion yes uh i think so good to answer your question i think it starts with a coffee first that would be like in terms of giving a common understanding of ways that we could start uh solving things together 
and I think there might be like a a wrong um, conception or perspective on what an agency does because I think the most successful projects that I've been working on in the past have been small pilot projects, really predefined projects where client team gets a chance to see if they actually like the people that I bring into the project and that we we make things happen. Um, and then that, that becomes our pilot to get the funding. Um, sometimes we also go into projects where we're like, uh, for me, I'm super passionate about making the, the healthcare sector a better place um, because I've been brought up uh, with family and friends that have been working as anesthetic uh, doctors and I've, I've experienced how manual the system still is. Uh, and it's amazing that we have guys like you, Toby, that uh, are trying to to reimagine and, and redefine how the manual labor can be lowered a bit so people can focus on what they're skilled at. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's just one reflection on that. Uh, I also think the educational element is something that might be uh like something that's just lying there ready to be put in goal we spend a lot of time in agency focusing on the designers on the students i do portfolio reviews i do talks but i'm never put in front of uh 40 uh doctors that work within uh, heart surgery for instance I'm not saying that that, that 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 was what we should be doing but i think uh, we should maybe also consider to do some pro bono work, to do a collaborative effort where we actually gather kind of what we're doing on the podcast here, right? We we bring people together with a, a subject, something that we have very close to heart. And then we talk openly about it. So we take the challenges that this topic is all about and we bring it out to the world. Uh, that could be something that I would be super keen on um because it's it's also good for 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 the greater good and um yeah that would be my my end point here thank you very much for that joel and would you like to summarize everything there to yes. finish it off yeah very uh, insightful comments and uh, great uh, advice really i think uh, maybe we should put you in front of uh, 40 anesthetics uh people like uh, the whole department yeah. there joel but maybe we could stand there side by side one day uh, let's yeah. uh, find out how to do that. Maybe sometimes it starts with coffee. Sometimes it starts with something else. But uh, the best way to figure out how, if you're good at working together, is by actually working together. That's how you figure out how to do it. And But we also, I guess, it was such a humongous task here, this project, that we, I, I needed to find an angle, uh, an angle to like just open the door a bit, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And I think the way we did that was to, sell it by being test driven so we 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 gave our process a name it's basically a double diamond model but we called it we call it test driven co-creation because we really mean it we want to create something together with the users and we want to be driven by the results of our tests and it's mm. so it's not it, it's not as scary to commit to a test that it, it's someone like telling you how to do your job in the future and when you have different backgrounds that's what's scary i guess people don't want an architect to come and tell them how to do things that it's not like i go around tell people how to do their work but sometimes we can like challenge them a bit sometimes we can inspire them with different examples sometimes we can come up with the new solutions that are based on the input that they give us 
and uh, but we just need to like uh, take it down a notch in in the beginning in order to scale it up later i think so that's kind of what we did in building this team and and uh, and that has helped helped us at least so uh, so i guess that's that's what we tried to do and there's still some ways to go and we still want to scale this we want other people than uh, the work not just at mary elizabeth's hospital to, to benefit from this we want this to be at least hospitality we want this to be in the whole region like we want this to be in the whole country and we want uh, hospitals globally i think a lot of them can uh, take everything that we figured out all the failures we made and all the great choices we made and all the successes they can have everything we're not like we're not selling it as a product but they can copy everything if they want if they want to create some better change in their system uh, so but we need to be better at like giving ourselves the time to focus on like spreading it out and scaling it i think that can be very difficult in like every day like figuring out the where do you talk about this and who do you talk to and who do you stand together with when you talk about this stuff? Uh, but yeah, it is really important. Thank you very much, Token. I can see, Eva, you've got one more thing to add at the end there. Yeah, it is just to share some experience I've also had because it is a challenge to transform people's mindset in embracing this design thinking and what it could actually benefit from, for, for them. So what we've done is that we create a community, a community where we could actually share our knowledge and best practice and cases that we've actually built and also our failures as well and newsletters um, as well. So um, in that sense, that helped us to brand ourselves on what we do and why we do it in the way we do and what we would love more to. And at the end, and just to give you an example, it was not in the last bank, bank that I worked in, but in the previous one, we managed to get about 10% of the employees to join us. So we had 10% ambassadors speaking our courses and making sure that we still had project coming in and making sure that the benefit of what they gained from that projects were actually then told higher up in the hierarchy. And that is also what you are, are struggling with is those who are the decision making of what should the next step be. So benefit is also to have a, a community to share your knowledge with the rest of the, the organization with. Can I just add one thing, Sean, there? Because uh, that's very true, Eva. And just a, a little like call out. Can we please talk more about our failures than our successes? Because that's what I've learned the most from. And I think when we have these like um, events where we're supposed to share our information, like uh, across the country or wherever, we we tend to talk about what's already a proven success. And what we need to talk about is what we're struggling with. I think that's really important in order to approach each other and figuring out what we do. Like you said, Joel, maybe there are some misconceptions about how agencies work together with the public sector. And I, and I think having these issues and seeing that we all have them is something that can bring us closer together. Thank you very much for that token. I think that's a really good point to, to leave this episode on there because anyone listening can take that into their own work and really implement that feedback. So I just want to say from my part, thank you very much everyone today for your participation. And you all had great insights with very diverse questions to say the least, right from the public sector to startups to everything. So thank you very much for that. And I just want to say to round this off, if you are an industry leader listening to this and you would like to join us on a future episode, please contact me on sean.thompson at evolution-nordics.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. See you all soon. Thank you very much.